What's up, everybody? A couple of weeks ago, I had the uh, honor and privilege to attend this amazing three-day convention in Napa called the Latino Hive. It's this exclusive reset experience, this gathering of incredible brown people. I'm talking about like some of the most talented people I've ever met in art, design, music, fashion, film, entertainment. They were all fascinating leaders and change makers in their own right. And our guest today is one of those legends and trailblazers who also attended this gathering. She and I got to chat after a tour of a really beautiful Latino-owned vineyard. She might sound familiar to some of y'all, and if she doesn't, trust me, she soon will. How'd we meet? How'd I meet? I met you at another event, the Raizado Festival, and... I know. I remember exactly how I met you. I was doing my makeup on the airplane, on the way to Aspen. Oh, yeah, what happened? <laughs> and I'm like, I think I only have one eyebrow on. <laughs> you walk up, and you were like, "Yeah, what's good?" And you sit on my the little armrest, and you're talking to me and Julissa about like, what, well, like, what's gonna happen? Like, where, like, you were just like, I just, and I remember thinking, who is this guy? He's so freaking cool. Like, you're just like, yeah, what's up? You know what we do? So, so what are you speaking at? Oh, that's what's up. That's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah, do you know who Ruby Rose is? And I was like. <laughs> I did not. I did I not. I swear you did. You told me all not. about it. No way. Dominican James Bond. I know now. Damn. This is actress, producer, and good friend, yeah, Annie yeah. Gonzalez. You might know her from Hentified, where she played the character of Lydia Solis. Now she is starring in the Flaming Hot movie, which I'm telling you, you all need to go see. It's incredible. It tells the origin story behind the beloved snack, Flamin' Hot Cheetos. Later this year, Annie will also be starring and executive producing a new biopic based on the Mexican-American singer and legend, Jenny Rivera. Annie has so much coming her way this year, so stick around to hear our conversation on how she grew up, what inspired her acting career, and everything that is in store for her. Yo, she is about to blow up. My name is Christopher Rivas, and this is Brown Enough, Stories Between Black and White coming to you from Napa. Here we go. Uh, To start us off, we like to do this, uh, you know, rapid fire questions. Favorite brown movie? Do the right thing. You're a Barbra Streisand and Bette Midler fan. What are your favorite works from these two stars? Oh, Yentl, honey. Are you kidding me? She directed it. She's brilliant. Go, Barb. I mean, I love her in everything. I also love Bette in everything. Bette, my favorite thing. <gasps> Beaches, but it's only because it's just what it holds in my heart. Like, watching her go up on stage as a little girl sing Glory of Love is who I am in truth. <laughs> Favorite Jenny Rivera song? Llega el olvido. Oof. You know what you got to do, Manolo. We have a Spotify playlist. It's full of all brown artists. Who's someone you're currently listening to and we should include? Affirmation by Hayes. 
Affirmation by Hayes. Understood. After me, I am free. I am free. I am divine. I value my time. I focus on present living. I got no need to read. Annie Gonzalez, you were born and raised in East Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Your family's from Mexico. Mm-hmm. Did you always feel enough? No. <laughs> Do you feel enough now? I think I'm in the process of reconstructing what enough means for me. And what does it mean today? Today it means showing up how I did for myself and being okay with whatever the outcome. Did you always embrace your ethnicity? Not at all. I think being sixth generation, I always felt really so far removed from it, honestly. When did you start embracing this this culture, which I think you rep proudly now? So proudly. Um, and it wasn't that I didn't rep it. I just didn't understand it. I, I'm raised sixth generation. I'm sixth generation. I am raised by a single mom to an only parent, you know, only child. I was left to my own devices a lot. So I don't think it was. It just was circumstantially. It just didn't work out. But when I got older, I started taking Chicano studies classes at East LA College. And I just started learning. Prerequisite or for fun? For fun. Because yeah. I was like, hmm, okay, I have to take a culture class. I have to take a literature class. I have to take a this. I was like, I want Chicano studies. It fit in. And it was like, I, that sounds interesting. And I went and I, I felt so empowered because, like, Chicana essentially is, or you know, is, you know, we hear the term nidaquina de allá. And it's that perfect blend of my isms. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm too brown for white America. Not too brown. I'm brown. I'm brown for white America. I'm just brown, and I'm fucking too American for Latino communities or any other community. It had felt so now, being able to have something that I get to use as like a little marker for me that I'm like, wow. I'm How old were so you when you took that class? Seventeen. Seventeen. And you grew up, like, everyone in your hood in East Los Angeles was Chicano, Chicana? No. My hood, so I grew up in East L.A. and Inglewood. My dad lived in Inglewood. My mom lived in East L.A. And I was bussed out for school. So I was I was a magnet kid. I was one of those kids that went to, like, you know, they bus you from all over. And and so I didn't, I didn't really get to experience my hood like that, really. Like, girl, I, growing up, I went to a private school with a bunch of Asian kids. It was in Monterey Park. It was all, like, Chinese and Japanese. Like, I was speaking Chinese before I was speaking fucking Spanish. <laughs> so then immediately after that, I go to, um, it's called Brooklyn Avenue Elementary. And we moved from the private school to this school, to the public school in East L.A. And that was the culture shock for me, being around a bunch of people that look like me. Mm-hmm was interesting. And you said, if I'm correct, the black people was your people and the the Latinos wasn't having it. Yeah, that's a lot. It's so funny how like the art, it's not funny, it's beautiful. It's exciting and empowering for me to realize that the art that I, that was brought into my experience then determined what and who I gravitated towards also. So like a lot of the music I listened to growing up with my mom was like Shaka Khan, Prince, um, Sade, Jill Scott, mm. you know? So like, uh, so naturally those were the 
people, those were the faces and, and energies and idio- you know, nuances that I gravitated towards that I didn't even realize the programming. As I'm saying that right now, I'm realizing why it has been important to now gravitate towards or to be introduced to more like brown culture. And that my face is important on the screen. I just literally just had that right now. I'm like, wow, I've never felt that. I'm like, ugh. So it is important to be on the screen. So when did you, as a kid, see yourself on the screen? Or was that not conscious for you? Also, you've been acting since, like, forever. What, eight, nine years old? Like, so, so what sparks you at eight, nine years old to be like, let me get it? It was Bette Midler and Barbara Streisand. And then the other was John Leguizamo. For me. Oh, that's right. You said not freak. Uh, the past. The past. Yo, so fun. So, so fun. Good. That was me. That was like, I had never seen like a really fucking funny, articulate, um, 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 sarcastic, witty brown kid on screen and being in their full total. Like, it wasn't just like, oh, he, like all he had, he didn't have one note. That motherfucker was well, like he would stop talking in a German accent and an English accent, or even he pretended to be Chinese at one point. Right. And all of it, I was like, I know how to do, like, I am, I just love it. He makes big choices. Big choices. Huge. And commits. And so you believe it. Huge choices. Annie's first booked role came when she was just nine years old. She played a person who got injured in the CBS TV series Without a Trace. Any good stories about your experiences auditioning as a brown woman? Pushback. Some, you know, maybe messed up. Maybe something beautiful. Casting directors, producers, agents. Yeah, I had a manager once about being a brown woman. I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to think about. I'm. Sh- I'm sure there's been plenty. You know, not. I've heard like not X enough or put on the accent. But I'm a traviesa, so if you're telling me to putting on an accent and you're not being specific, I'm gonna put on a motherfucking accent. <laughs> I'm just going to, to you just act so like here's the thing and like and like babe and like honestly no and like here's the thing babe what I understood is I'm actually really brilliant at what I do so either way you're going to be convinced babes and like you're going to love it and so and then this is that's just how I'm like because everything is fun for me I'm like it's all fun what's for me is for me so if it's not for me it's not for me regardless of what the fuck I do right but I love that you were like ah you know probably something happened but I can't really you know think it, recall it. And I think that embodies a lot of what I've noticed in you and you talk about, you want to be a nihilistically joyful. Sure. Right. Nihilistic optimism. I don't know. Nihilistic optimism. It doesn't really matter. So we just have joy. Yeah. None of it matters. So then I, so then I get to find the matter in everything. Like the way that everything means something for me, because I know that it doesn't have to mean anything to anyone or to the grander scheme of things. I'm going to die one day, and and in a couple generation lines, it won't matter. How freeing is that? How fucking freeing that it won't matter? So what you said, then you get to make every moment really matter for yourself, and it just becomes so much more fun, and that's infectious. I want that. You have that. Uh, <laughs> are there enough, seems, well, no, maybe not. I don't know. Are there enough roles written for brown folks? 
I'm sure there's enough written to mm. enough get greenlit. <laughs> That's a different question. I'm sure there are enough beautifully. I'm sitting on a couple right now. I'm sure you are too. I'm sure there's enough written. I'm excited for the expansion because I know that we're all getting smarter and it's gonna it's gonna keep growing. I like what John Leguizamo said. Like, look, I'm not trying to say I want to take up the whole market or 20. percent I just want my 20. Yeah. percent Like, and so that's, I would be very content with my 20. You feel me? I'd be Brad Pitt. I work like a motherfucker. You feel me? I would work like crazy. <laughs> I want and I'm ready for my 20%, y'all. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Annie's going to tell us about how she chooses the roles that she takes on and about the ones that she's most excited to tackle next. Stick around. And we're back with the one and only Annie Gonzalez. She has been in the acting game for about 20 years now, and she is still killing it. What do you look for when you audition for a role? Does the story resonate with me? Is it going to push me? Does it scare me? Mm. And, or, and, and ultimately, am I going to have fun? Am I going to enjoy the time that I'm going to be here? Can I off what do I what can I offer to this and what can it offer to me? If it scares you, it means what? Well, it depends. If it scares me, I usually find it that's like it's like I'm excited. Like anxiety, fear, excitement. I'm like, okay, I know if I'm smart enough, there's like what's the at the real root here? I'm realizing more and more with my work anyway, my job is to make you feel. Now what you feel thereafter is not my responsibility. Like that's all you. I don't get to take ownership of that, whether you love me or you hate me. So when I feel that fear, I'm like, this is all for me anyway. Fuck, fuck what anybody else thinks. I'm doing it because I love it. I'm doing it because I want to stay on set for those 16 hours. Am I going to love it? Yeah, let's go. For those who don't know, you are starring in uh, Flaming Hot, beautiful film directed by Eva Longoria. You are uh, the lead in a Jenny Rivera biopic. You have a bunch of amazing things you told me and exciting things happening. And you're in an incredible time in your life. Well, I think it's just like an incredible physical manifestation of everything I've been feeling for a long time that I still feel is what I'm trying to do with it. Like I try and find a grounded way of having it all be incredible. Hmm. Like not just the peaks, but making the valleys especially incredible. You know, I've always known what I wanted to do. And I've seen these things since I was nine years old in my head. I would sit in my living room or in, in front of a mirror and practice fucking acceptance speeches or, or think about. I did it in the shower. And think, you know, you feel I me? did it in the shower. But, and while, like, while practicing those acceptance speeches, we were also taking the class, reading the books, loving the craft, writing a book, you know, like 
So for me, either way, award, movie, whatever, I'm a still, the work doesn't change. So I don't want that thing to mean more than it needs to. But like, I'm excited because that thing means I get to do more. And that's cool. I'm going to keep doing it, but I get to do more on a larger scale and bring more people with me and do it together with other people that I love. One of Annie's next projects and a film that is quickly becoming one of my favorites this year is a movie called Flamin' Hot. The brilliant Eva Longoria is the director and the trailer has been making the rounds on the internet. It stars Jesse Garcia, who plays the role of Richard Montañez, the Frito-Lay janitor who helped create spicy hot Cheetos in real life. We all write our own stories. Where is Richard? I'd like to speak to him. I'm here. This time. That's me, the Mero Mero, Mr. Richard Montañez. I'm the guy who helped bring the world the most popular snack it's ever seen. Are you ready? I will. I've been ready. All right, all right. It was a little bit more like this. Spicy? Flaming Hot comes out June 9th, and you have to go see it. Annie plays a huge role. I play Judy Montañez, the other half of Richard Montañez, who is behind Flaming Hot Cheetos, Flaming Hot Doritos, Flaming Hot Popcorn, and among other things at the Frito-Lay factory uh, company, PepsiCo, actually. Um, She was the backbone to a lot of, like, Richard's pendejadas, like, help straight, like, trying to straighten him up to be the man that she always knew that he is. Not because of what he acquired, but because of character. He's a beautiful, just kid who just got sucked into the system of coming from the hood and not having enough. And she was like, you're smarter than this. You're, and she and but she just did it because she loved him. She, to me, what I learned is she understood the power of partnership. Like everybody has a role, and she was so brilliant in how she maneuvered through her life. And they're still together. And she helped assist in the making of the hot cheeto because when it all came to and he came to her with the idea, she was like, "All right, I believe in you. Let's fucking figure this out." I got you. She's, he's like, oh, I don't know how to do a presentation. Well, let's go to the fucking library. We're going to learn. When she got his job at Frito-Lay, he, I don't think, he didn't finish high school. So he didn't know how to fill out the application to be a janitor there. And she was like, I got you. Well, she's like, he's like, fuck, I have to have my wife fill it out. He's like, and, you know, she was just his, his number one cheerleader because she saw it in him. She saw what he couldn't see in himself. And it was amazing. Oh my God. It was the most, it was, it was the most terrifying and hard thing I've done only because I put way too much pressure on myself. Um, but I I wouldn't change a thing, man. I learned so much. Eva is a really beautiful director. She's an actress. So she's an actor's director as well. Like, you know what I mean? It's different. Jesse now is my family. He's such a a brilliant artist and so kind and so compassionate. I was really making a movie with a fam- with making a movie with family and being able to tell a beautiful story and and show someone who's been through it and made it out. What are we gonna learn from watching this film? Oh, I love that. I think I don't know if you'll learn so much as be reinvigorated that. 
you're not the small things that you tell yourself if you make room for mistake and you be okay and accepting that we're all a little underestimated and we can over deliver. Another one of Annie's upcoming projects, which I'm sure is going to be a hit, is a new biopic about Jenny Rivera. Jenny Rivera, for those of you who don't know, was known as La Diva de la Banda. She sang Mexican regional music in the styles of banda, mariachi, and norteño. Her music was emotional, passionate, and always hitting the core of your heart, even if you didn't know Spanish. In fact, one of her biggest fans is the OG rapper Snoop Dogg, who has occasionally posted videos of him listening to her music while smoking a blunt. Classic. Annie says this new film will show a side of Jenny we have not seen yet. How is your piece different than the other Jenny Rivera pieces out there? Number one, it was in English. It's it's in Spanglish. I think a lot, from what I spoke to when I spoke to her babies, they said that what what hadn't been involved because it just couldn't, because she grew up, she grew up, she lived in Compton. So she was heavily influenced by the Black community as well. And so a lot of the nuances and colloquialisms of who she was was missed because the series was completely in Spanish. That was the one thing that he that was the one thing that he told me that was like that's that's you know a big one. I was like, oh shit. Hell yeah. <laughs> I got you. Is there one big lesson Jenny gives us about how to move through the world? Don't play the victim. You're going to make mistakes. Shit happens. She made a lot of mistakes. But the only one that can judge you at the end of the day, really, that you have to answer to, who always loves you. Jesus. Is God. God. I mean, listen. Listen, and Jesus. Look, if you believe, we got Jesus, we got Allah, we got we got all these, you heard of Zygot, you got all these different people saying the same thing. Like, just be an exemplary human as much as you can. Annie, you're a queen. Thank you so much for this conversation. And I cannot wait to see all your amazing projects. Next week, we'll hear from the Latino Hive. Yes, this incredible gathering I'm at right now in Napa. We're going to hear from all these incredible brown changemakers and leaders from across all fields. I will see you next week. Peace, love, blessings. Oh, and a special thanks to Camilo Garzon. Thank you, brother. Brown Enough is a production of Stitcher Studios. It's created and hosted by me, Christopher Rivas, and I'm also an executive producer. Our team includes producer Manolo Morales, technical director Casey Holford, production assistant Gabriella Gladney, and executive producer Camille Stanley. Original music by Casey Holford. Special thanks to Abby Aguilar. Workhouse Media is a contributing producer to this podcast. Carlos E. Hernandez of Ikigai Management is also an executive producer of Brown Enough. Don't forget to subscribe or follow Brown Enough so you never miss an episode. Thanks. Peace and love.